0: This podcast series is based on the book Beyond Reasonable Greed, Why Sustainable Business is a Much Better Idea, by Wayne Visser and Clem Sunter. Narrated by myself, Wayne Visser. Seeing the Greater Whole For a perspective on evolution which will help prepare business for that step change coming down the track, we must surprisingly look back to 1926. It was then that South Africa's former Prime Minister, Jan Smuts, published his book Holism and Evolution. In this philosophical treatise, Smuts draws on Darwin's theory of evolution, Einstein's theory of relativity, and his own insights to reach the conclusion that there is a common driving force in all creation and evolution, a golden thread for which he coined the term Holism. When fully appreciated, holism is a revolutionary concept that is highly applicable to business. So bear with us as we spend just a little time here on the theory. Holism, Smuts explained, is a fundamental tendency within nature, including human society and its institutions, to form wholes of ever greater synergy. Synergy is now the well-known concept of the whole being greater than the sum of the parts. What characterizes these holes is increasingly complex relationships between their diverse elements, resulting in progressively higher levels of intelligence and creativity. The relationships between things are therefore as important as the things in themselves. Smuts shows this tendency at work in the most basic mineral and chemical elements of nature through to the organizational levels of plants, animals, and humans. Interestingly, the real creativity in nature occurs when fields overlap, where the outer edges of different wholes mingle. Subsequently, holism has formed a sound theoretical foundation for extensive work on the nature of organization and organizational change by people like James Lovelock, Peter Russell, Fridjof Capra, and Peter Senge. For example, James Lovelock, a NASA astronomical scientist, applied the principle of holism at a planetary level, although he may not have read Smuts' book. Lovelock discovered that the Earth displays the very same characteristics that are found in living organisms. He named his theory the Gaia hypothesis, after the Greek goddess of the Earth, Gaia. Physicist Peter Russell extended Lovelock's thinking to include the social sphere, He suggested that human intelligence acts like a global brain of this living, self-regulating, self-sustaining earth system, with our growing communication networks forming the nervous system. Fridjof Capra, also a physicist, synthesized these ideas of interaction and self-regulation into a living systems theory, which is applicable to various human disciplines, such as ecology, biology, medicine, physics, and economics. For example, it is a well-known fact in quantum physics that what you see is what you get. Light is a wave when you look at it as a wave, and a particle when you look at it as a particle. In other words, interaction between the observer and the object he or she is observing will determine the outcome of the experiment. Finally, Peter Senge, business professor at Massachusetts Institute for Technology, applied living systems theory to business under the label of the learning organization in his book, The Fifth Discipline. Wise businesses understand that they not only impact on the external environment, but the external environment impacts on them. Only by gaining knowledge of the interactive process between the physical universe, the markets and other players, and your own self, will you come up with anything that approaches sensible decisions. And even then you may be wrong because you underestimated the complexity of the situation or misread the dependency of one variable on another. Looking at the development of human society over the past few thousand years, and especially the last 100 years, the tendency towards more complex relationships is clear. Our global village is crisscrossed by almost instantaneous communication networks as well as increasingly rapid transportation links. Moreover, it has common economic structures. Indeed, just using the term global village to describe the world is testimony to our growing recognition of ourselves as an interconnected whole. The emergence of multinational companies, international financial markets, and global trading systems is therefore a manifestation of holistic evolution in progress. The euro is but one example of a whole being formed. Time will tell whether it is a sustainable whole which passes all the tests of evolution at the political and economic level. For that to happen, the new whole must function as a result of the willing cooperation of all its parts or sub-holes. In contrast, when an individual component operates myopically at the expense of others or the diversity of the original groupings is completely sacrificed, the integrity of the greater whole is jeopardized. Unfortunately, in many countries and companies, holism gets short shrift. As this podcast will argue, some strategies of global business and the rivalry between certain nations show more similarities to selfish cancer cells taking over a body than a synergistic, higher-order organizational form. Searching for a new symbol Symbols are like stories, They are a powerful way to tug at people's emotions, stimulate their interest, and tacitly get their loyal commitment to a particular idea or set of values. Symbols of religion, mascots of football teams, the secret signs of cults, they focus the energy of the group by instilling a special sense of belonging in each member. But that characteristic invites division and exclusivity, the very opposite of what we want to achieve. So our symbol is going to have to be carefully chosen if we are to get the corporate sector to buy into a more inclusive model. For the central argument of this podcast is that the current model driving business has outlived its usefulness. The symbols of earnings per share, capital appreciation of the share, return on capital employed, market capitalization, Economic value added, so beloved by CEOs, the financial media and market analysts alike, are beginning to look empty beside the clouds building up on the global horizon. We have clear and present dangers in the economic, social and environmental spheres, which are exerting enormous pressure on the existing mould. It therefore no longer fits. Like aircraft cannot land if there is no airport traffic control, The world cannot function if everybody is blindly pursuing his or her self-interest and there are no other rules of the game to ensure that the system as a whole remains intact. We are one world and business can react in two ways. They can either try to strengthen the present mold, perhaps by tinkering with its design a little to accommodate the stresses and strains in a better fashion. Trading and emission permits falls into this category. Even this is too much for the die-hard proponents of the old maxims, like the business of business is business, and unrestricted free markets automatically ensure the greatest public good. Any fractional deviation from this philosophy is pounced upon by these purists as a fatal conceit, to use the phrase of their champion, Friedrich Hayek. Alternatively, business can search for a new mold, one that will make for a more comfortable fit with the new realities that are emerging. At the moment, the outlines of that fresh mold are still shrouded in mist, so it needs a new symbol around which it can take shape. The symbol indeed must be powerful enough to change the value systems of business people, especially hardened CEOs, so that they make decisions and behave in a different way, but on a voluntary basis. We certainly do not believe in a return to the type of society where such behavioural change is forced upon people by central planning or heavy state intervention. Be that as it may, we have already given you a sneak preview in the introduction of what our symbol is. An animal with no predatory instincts and despite its size, a natural empathy for all creatures, great and small. Such is the stuff of sustainability for the animal kingdom as a whole and such is the stuff for those of us who roam the plains of business. Shapeshifting our beliefs Each time the world changes, when civilizations rise and fall, when new scientific theories challenge our understanding of the universe, when technological innovation reinvents our lifestyle, when political revolution breaks down the old structures of society, or when a global crisis threatens to destroy our planet, then humanity is forced to let go of some of its most cherished beliefs in order to create a new mythology to guide its collective psyche. We are living through such a time of profound change, and no more so than in the business arena. The old ways, which have dominated for the past century or more, are no longer appropriate for a post-industrial, sustainability-driven society. Sustainability is not only a new scientific, political, social and legal concept, but an entirely new business philosophy, based on a new mythology. It requires that business think differently about its role in society and how it goes about what it does. The changes needed in order for business to survive and thrive in an age of sustainability are so fundamental that they are akin to changing its identity its underlying nature. At the moment, we believe that the majority of business embodies the characteristics of a lion, an impressive predator. However, the future calls for different strengths, such as those displayed by the mighty elephant, a wise leader. Consequently, the question is a simple one. How will today's lion companies change into tomorrow's elephant companies? The answer is they will need to shapeshift. Shapeshifting is a magical or spiritual phenomenon contained in the beliefs of many of the world's ancient cultures and indigenous peoples. It refers to the ability of ancestors, gods, animals, and gifted humans to change their form and take on the shape or characteristics of a particular animal, often the totem of their particular tribe. Sometimes this shapeshifting occurs in order to avoid imminent danger, or to ensure survival in the face of catastrophic change. Other times its purpose is to pass on special instructions for success or to impart timely knowledge and wisdom about life. Faced with all the changes and challenges which the 21st century will bring, the knowledge and skill of shape-shifting is going to be indispensable to companies. This is not a new idea a number of corporate shamans have admonished business to begin shape-shifting. Each of these soothsayers chooses his or her own mode of transformation based on the particular vision of the future which that individual has. For example, one of us advised that companies should change from bureaucratic hedgehogs into entrepreneurial foxes. The vision of the future driving this particular transformation was that of a world changing so fast that only an animal with the adaptability, resourcefulness, and radar system of a fox could survive. The image that fills the lens of this podcast's magnifying glass is the one of sustainability, a world in which business is required to balance and integrate its economic, social, and environmental goals. This balancing act is not just a dry policy statement made by the directors in the annual report or some glossy brochure. It is a passionately embraced philosophy that infuses every level of management and every action that the company takes. It lives. Shortly, we shall look at why corporate lines are ill-suited to respond to this challenge and why elephant companies will be the new leaders. Preempting Elephant Prejudice Inevitably, this podcast will challenge long-held beliefs and uncover hidden prejudices. One of these, which we'd like to deal with up front, is any prejudice people might have against elephants. That may sound strange, but what we mean is this. In Western culture particularly, elephants have acquired various negative associations. If these are not recognized and laid aside, the metaphor chosen for this podcast will be undermined. Unfairly, we believe. The first and most important issue is size. Elephants are commonly seen as representing bigness, but in the worst possible way. For many people, elephants conjure up words like oversized, clumsy, lumbering, slow, and dim-witted. Disney's Dumbo comes to mind. Obviously, these characteristics are not on the most desired list for any business, or in choosing a spouse. Nor are we suggesting, by selecting the elephant as a metaphor for sustainable business, that they should be. Certainly, we are not advocating that bigger is better. The elephant's size, however, does make it a relevant symbol of modern business. After all, there is nothing small about today's multinational companies. The critical issue is not what size they are, but what they do with their immense size and power. As a point of fact, elephants do not fit any of the other descriptions given above. They are appropriately sized for their environment, extremely agile, one of the fastest land animals, and one of the most intelligent creatures on the earth. A second commonly held stigma surrounding elephants has to do with their power or strength. It is often seen as overly destructive, aggressive, or abusive. This, again, is certainly not the image that we are trying to convey about companies of the future, precisely the opposite, in fact. But let us dispose of this perception very quickly. Elephants are only aggressive when they are threatened. For the most part, they are gentle giants that live in peaceful coexistence with all other animals. It is true that elephants can have a significant impact on surrounding vegetation, but this is only problematic when their habitat range has been artificially confined – as is the case with wildlife reserves. Apart from this, the elephant's feeding habits are actually an aid to other creatures, making previously inaccessible vegetation accessible. We find it a telling observation that it is mainly in the West that the elephant has a somewhat tarnished image, whereas it is a revered animal in the East. Interestingly enough, in the East and in Africa, Elephants often have the same association with royalty that lions have enjoyed so strongly in the West, but more about the elephant's positive qualities later. We start our metaphorical story with a closer look at the lion's symbolic supremacy in modern business.